During the Spanish-American War, Clara Barton was overseeing the work of the Red Cross in Cuba. One day, Theodore Roosevelt, who was the colonel, came to her, wanting to buy food for his sick and wounded Rough Riders. But she refused to sell him any. Roosevelt was perplexed. His men needed the help, and he was prepared to pay out of his own funds. When he asked someone why he could not buy the supplies, he was told, Colonel, just ask for it. A smile broke over Roosevelt's face. Now he understood. The provisions were not for sale. All he had to do was simply ask, and they would be given freely. The same is true about approaching God with our troubles. You and I can now go boldly, confidently speak to Him with freedom of just how we feel and make that bold request. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. It's not always easy to ask for help, but there is someone who truly understands what you may be going through. This week, Charles Tapp reveals what God has promised us and challenges the believer to not be afraid to make your requests known to God. As he continues with part two in this series, Strength for the Journey, with his message, A Bold Request. Today, we begin part two of our series, Strength for the Journey. And as I shared with you on last week, a journey, whether it be complicated or simple, is simply the act of traveling from one place to another. So whether your journey takes you across the street or across the state, in the final analysis, it is still a journey. But the greatest journey that you and I will ever embark upon is this journey that we call life. And as the poet Lavina Child reminds us, this, this journey for all of us began that faithful morning when our eyes opened up blissfully to the sun. But then there is a journey which although is a part of the journey we call life, it is yet another path which many of us, myself included, have decided to embark upon. Jesus refers to this journey in John chapter 10 and verse 10 as the abundant life. Now please don't let this word abundant fool you for one minute for it has absolutely nothing to do with the materialistic, consumeristic culture that many believers in our country espouse to and many a preacher proclaims from their pulpits. Because contrary to what many preach and contrary to what many teach, the Christian journey was never promoted by Jesus as one that would make all of our troubles go away, that would make us immune from all the challenges, all the personally painful events of our lives. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, Jesus, 
who acts as our spiritual surgeon general, provides all of us who are potential followers with his own warning label, which says this, behold, Jesus speaking here, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise, Jesus says, as serpents and harmless as doves. This certainly is not the message that we hear preached from many a pulpit in America today. It's almost as if you and I have been hoodwinked, we've been bamboozled, we've been led astray, led amok by many of what is called today American Christianity. If the Apostle Paul could hear what we refer to as the Christian journey today, I'm sure that he would be shocked For Paul, better than anyone knew firsthand that being a believer of Jesus Christ neither makes us immune from the trials and tragedies, nor does it guarantee the removal of them from our lives. Let's go back to our pivotal passage we looked at in our previous message. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. As we look at verses 7 to verse 12, reading from the New King James Version, it says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, Paul here is talking about the special revelations that God allowed him to experience. And remember now, Paul is speaking of himself in the third person. He says again, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above the earth. And as we said last week, Paul doesn't give us any clue as to what that thorn in the flesh was, but whatever it was, it was painful. It acted as a device to bring Paul back down to earth, an essence God allowed this thorn in the flesh to come into his life so that he could remain humble. Look at verse 8. He says, concerning this thing, talking about his thorn, I pleaded with the Lord not once, not twice, but three times that it might depart from me. How many of us have pleaded with God, Lord, take this from my life? Not once, not twice, sometimes even more than three times. So we can relate to that. Now look at verse 9 here. And he said, again, this is still Paul talking about Jesus' words, My grace is, what, sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, Paul says, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. My grace, Jesus says, is sufficient for you. Again, I feel it's important that we take a moment to define what Paul means here when he refers to this grace. This word grace in the Greek comes from the Greek word charis, which simply means gift. And something that is a gift cannot be earned. That's why we refer to God's grace as being unmerited, undeserved favor. But here's an important piece that many fail to understand, and that is simply this. 
then when we speak about the grace of God, we are talking about it in the context, especially here, that it can be different in nature depending upon the need. When humanity sinned in the garden, grace came in the form of a savior, Jesus Christ. When at the time of Pentecost, when they needed to speak someone else's language, God gave them grace. He gave them the gift of tongues, being able to speak in an unfamiliar language. Forgiveness, dear friends, is the grace of God in our lives. Prayer is an act of grace on the part of God. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, Pastor, you're stretching this thing of grace too far now. But remember what grace is. Grace is God giving us what we need. So when humankind sinned in the garden, the Bible says before they sinned, Adam was able to walk with God in the cool of the day in Genesis chapter three. But after sin, they lost their face to face communion with God. And in chapter four of Genesis, that's where we see the first prayer. Why? Because they no longer had face-to-face communion with God. But God did not kick them aside. He didn't kick them to the curb as many of us do. God allowed communion through this thing called prayer. Who says amen to that today? So every time you and I pray, It is us responding to the amazing, marvelous grace of God. Here's how I define grace. Because sometimes we use terms we really don't understand the meaning or the context. Take a look at my own personal definition of grace. Grace is the gift which God chooses to give at a particular time to meet a particular need in the lives of his children, which cannot be met by any other means. So when mankind sinned, the gift that they needed was a savior. It could not be met through any other means. So when Jesus tells Paul here, my grace is sufficient, in essence, he's saying, my gift is sufficient for you. My strength is sufficient for you. My power is sufficient for you. And then he says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Let's take a look at verse 9 again of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. My grace, my gift is sufficient for you. My strength, otherwise known as the gift in this context for Paul, is made perfect. It is complete. It can have its fullness in the context of my weakness and your weakness. And Paul says, if I'm going to boast about anything, then, It won't be about the revelations that God has given me. If I'm going to boast about anything, I'm going to boast in my weakness because it is in my weakness that I have the strength and the power of God in my life. Who says amen to that this morning? I can hear you. Trust me. So regardless of the nature of the situation which Paul was confronted with, he knew 
that he could count on the grace of God. Paul knew that whatever situation he would find himself in, that God would provide just the right gift to meet that particular situation. That's why Paul could say in Philippians chapter four and verse 19, as he wrote from that prison cell to the believers of Philippi, he says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Paul understood that grace was the gift that God chooses to give to his children to meet a particular need at a particular time, one that cannot be met by any other means. Which brings us to our scriptural reflection that was read earlier today in Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 to 16. I invite you to turn there with me as you're in your family room, in your living room. Look at what he says. Saying then that we have a, what? Great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest, Paul says, or the writer to the Hebrews says, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet, he says, without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come, what? Boldly to the throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find what? Grace or the gift that God desires to give to help in our time of need. Although there is much debate as to actually who wrote and authored the the book of Hebrews. Some believe it's Paul. Some believe it was Clement of Rome. Some even suggest that it's probably Luke. There's one thing that we can count on. There's one thing that is clear, and that is the purpose for which it was written. And that was to provide a sense of hope and encouragement in the lives of these first century Jewish Christians who, by the way, were being physically assaulted, were being put in prison. Their homes were destroyed. They were being ridiculed publicly day in and day out, all because they decided to take a journey on the Christian life. And the writer to the Hebrews, whomever it may be, reminds them that they can remain encouraged, that they can stay strong. And the example that he gives them is the example of Jesus Christ. And he gives them the example of Jesus because many of them, like many of us today, when we find ourselves being pressed down by the troubles or the situations of our lives, many of them were tempted to give up. So the writer of the Hebrews says, listen, you cannot make it on this Christian journey in and of your own strength. Here's an example, he says, I want to show you, and he presents throughout the book of Hebrews, but especially in chapter four, he presents to them and to us today, the example of Jesus Christ and his life. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, 
a bold request. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Man, when I think about WGTS, I think about family. And uh, WGTS lifts me up. The whole crew has truly been a blessing in my life. And um, I'm forever grateful for WGTS and what they do for myself and for the community. Support makes a difference. I always uh, encourage people. Like, you want to listen to something, be encouraged when you're going through a tough time. Starting at 91.9, um, they are definitely up with the spirits. And uh, especially in the trying time we're in right now in society. Working together to impact the nation's capital. We are family. And I am forever grateful for, for the WGPS family because that's exactly what it is family. And we get to be a part of that as listeners, which is is amazing. Listener funded, WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. At 88.3 on the Eastern Shore. This is Simple Truths for Life. And this week, Charles Tapp shares the amazing promise God offers us when we're faced with insurmountable circumstances and challenges the believer to not be afraid to make your requests known to him. As he continues with the rest of his message, a bold request. And the reason why the writer to the Hebrews uses Jesus as his example is because he does not want them to forget that although Jesus was the son of God and he came as God to die for humanity that all that we might be saved, he also came as a man, as a human as one of us subjecting himself to the same inequities, subjecting himself to the same heartaches as every other member of the human race. But with one very important caveat, he did so without falling and failing to sin. And herein lies the major point of Hebrews chapter 4. And that is that there is a man in heaven who understands my pain. There is someone who in heaven that understands your pain, understands our doubts, understands our trials, understands the thoughts that you and I have from time to time that we want to be relieved of this stress. We want to be relieved of the pain that we find in our lives. We have someone who is looking out for us because he understands as he did in the garden of Gethsemane when he prayed three times that this cup might be taken from him. He understands what that's like. And Paul understood it was like as well because he had a thorn in his flesh that he wanted removed. So the writer of the Hebrew says, look to Jesus, because not only is he your high priest, not only does he intercede for you before the father, he intercedes as one who understands what it's like. He understands what you're going through. He understands what you're feeling. How many times have you and I shared with someone what we were going through, the whether it be a challenge in our life, a painful experience that we're having. And once we shared it with them, they said those all familiar words. Well, I know exactly how you feel. And many of us, I've been guilty of it myself. When someone's come to me and share with me their pain, I'll just 
respond without even thinking, you know what? I know exactly how you feel, but many times that can be the worst thing that you and I can say. Because what it ends up doing is invalidating that person's experience. It ends up invalidating their pain. But I'm here today to tell you, there is someone who does know what you and I have gone through. Who can say, I know exactly how you feel. Because that person became subjected to the same types of pain and inequities that you and I have been subjected to. And many times, if we're just going to be honest today, you know, when we're going through something and somebody asks, well, how are you doing? We can't even articulate what we're going through. And that's why I'm glad the Bible says that when we want to go to God and share our pain, we don't even know sometimes the words to say, but the Holy Spirit takes our moans and he, and he takes our groans. And some of you know what I'm talking about. There have been times I've fallen on my knees because I've been so just pressed down and stressed by the issues of life and words, Pastor Jerry, just could not come from me. And I began to make sounds like this in my prayer. <sighs> and at that very moment, I understood what it said in the New Testament that many times you and I won't know what words to use, but the Holy Spirit takes our groans. He takes our moans and translates them because God knows exactly how we feel. We don't need words to be able to convey how we feel to God because God knows because he became one of us. He knows exactly how we feel. Have you ever felt rejected? Isaiah 53 says that not only was he rejected, he was despised of men. Have you ever felt betrayed by a friend? Well, well, Jesus was betrayed by Judas for 30 pieces of silver and turned over to his enemies, and Peter denied him three times. Have you ever felt the pressure of life was just, just too great for you? Jesus felt that in the garden. He said, Father, if there's any way possible from this, for this cup to pass from me, let it be so. He understands. Have you ever felt abandoned by God? Especially in those times of your life when you needed it the most, Jesus felt that way for when he was on the cross, he too cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbatini, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The writer to the Hebrews is letting those first Jewish century Christians understand, listen, you may be discouraged, you may be persecuted, but there is somebody who knows exactly how you feel and he has the gift, the grace to give to you to meet your particular need. All you need to do and all I need to do is to make a bold request. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 4 as we look at verse 16. Let us therefore come what? Boldly to the throne of grace, the place where God distributes his tailor-made gifts for us. 
that we may obtain what, everybody? Mercy and find grace to help in what? The time of need. You know, in our culture today, we think of the word bold. We think of someone who is brash or someone who is self-assertive or someone who is rude. But this word boldness in the original Greek language, the word parousias simply means to speak with confidence and freedom. Please don't miss that. To speak with confidence and freedom. So when the writer of the Hebrew says, we need to come boldly before the throne of grace, he's saying, come speaking freely and with confidence, not confidence in yourselves, but confidence in the great high priest, the one who lived just like you did and suffered the same kinds of rejection and, and persecution and pain. Come with confidence before that person who is Jesus Christ, the great high priest, because not only is he interceding for us, he is interceding as one who has lived as we have. I don't know about you, but that gives me the assurance today. That gives me the confidence. That, that really gives me the boldness, the freedom to come, knowing that that person knows exactly how I feel I want to close today with this quote from the great writer Henry Norman about compassion. Look at what it says here. Compassion asks us to go where it hurts, to enter into the places of what? Pain, to share in brokenness, fear, confusion, and anguish. Compassion challenges us to carry out with those in misery, to mourn with those who are lonely, to weep with those in tears. He says, compassion requires us to be weak with the weak, vulnerable with the vulnerable, and powerless with the powerless. And he ends by saying, compassion, please don't miss this point. Compassion means full immersion in the condition of being human. Do you get it? Jesus is compassionate toward us because he fully immersed himself in our humanity. Your friends may tell you, I know how you feel. Your colleagues may tell you, I understand what you're going through. Only Jesus knows what you and I are going through. And the writer of the Hebrews invites us that because he is our great high priest, you and I can now go boldly, confidently speak to him with freedom of just how we feel and make that bold request knowing that he will respond to us and give us the grace. And you know how to find grace. Giving us the gift that is needed at a particular time for your and my particular situation that cannot be met through any other means. So today, I invite you to make your bold request, not before a stranger, 
not before someone who doesn't really understand what it means to be you. But I invite you today to make that bold request to someone who knows exactly what it means to be persecuted. Someone who knows exactly what it means to be scorned. Someone who knows exactly how it feels to be rejected by those you love. Someone who knows exactly how it feels to be beaten. And it's Jesus Christ. Fully man, but at the same time, fully God. And he stands before the throne of grace, interceding for you and interceding for me. And all we need to do is to make the bold request, knowing we can speak with confidence and freedom that he knows exactly how you and I feel. And he will grant to us the grace, the gift that is needed for our particular need at our time in our lives. One that we cannot get from anywhere else. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, A Bold Request. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. At the end of this trial, my hope is that we will not be found innocent. But my hope is that we will be found guilty as charged. Starting next week, you become the jury as Charles Tapp presents claims the church has made. Will you find it innocent or guilty? You decide as he begins part one of The Church on Trial. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.